Hi everyone, it's Noah Coughlin, founder and CEO of BuildUp. Welcome back to The Big Dig, presented by BuildUp in Nayot, Massachusetts, the Commercial Real Estate Development Association. We are excited to introduce a new series of episodes that will delve into the nuts and bolts of projects throughout Boston's hottest neighborhoods. On these Big Dig Project Spotlights, you will hear firsthand how developers, large and small, are bringing projects from concept through delivery. On today's episode, we are discussing the upcoming 114-unit condo project, the Freeport in South Boston. Joining us to discuss this project are the developer, Patrick Dooling, of Navum Partners, along with the architect, D'Artanian Brown, of Embark. Hi everyone, Megan Doherty here with BuildUp. Excited to talk about the Freeport today in South Boston. Uh, let's meet our guests, Pat. Hi, great to be here. It's Pat Dooling with Navin Partners. Uh, we're a Boston-based uh, real estate investment um, management and uh, developer, um, focused on high value add and development projects in all of Boston's uh, core markets. Great, and D'Artagnan. Hey, D'Artagnan Brown, uh, owner of Embark. Um, we are a Boston-based architectural firm founded in 2011. We do a range of projects, anywhere from boutique uh, brownstones up to large-scale multifamily, anywhere from uh, one to 300 units in size. Um, we're proud to, I think, as you mentioned earlier, just have a cool influence on the city. We do a lot with uh, the zoning and BPDA, and um, uh, this area is special to us. We actually worked on the building next door, uh, the Aria, so it's nice to kind of continue down the block. So this project was originally approved by the BPDA in 2017. Um, Pat, what pushed your team to purchase this opportunity um, this last past January? Sure. We, um, as a developer, were constantly canvassing neighborhoods and uh, particularly the most exciting ones in Boston. So we've tracked projects in South Boston, all parts of South Boston for a long time. Uh, we have one other active project there currently. Um, and in fact, through that project, got to know the owner of the site um, uh, directly. Uh, over the span of about a six-month time period. Uh, so it was a combination, really, of our kind of deep market research, um, looking at things like, you know, other buildings uh, currently on the market and in development, the zoning overlays that the city has created uh, for that corridor, um, uh, as well as then uh, kind of marrying that with a great relationship directly with the seller that allowed us to purchase the transaction uh, directly and and. Uh, start with a great foundation in terms of the planning that uh, Mark Edwards and his family uh, created as, as the business owner and property owner. Um, he did a lot of work, frankly, more than, than most uh, probably uh, could even do uh, as a business owner there. Um, and so we had a great start, and then we're able to marry that with our skill uh, as a developer uh, over the last six months um, uh, to really get the project to the point where we could start building it. So... At this point, when did you bring in um, Embark to the project, and what have they been, you know, helping you guys with? Sure, um, that was really one of the number of steps uh, we took post closing was to supplement um, kind of the architectural team. Um, uh, the uh, architect of record originally was um, uh, Pisani and Associates. Um, it's a great individual who still um, uh, works on the project with us. Uh, he worked with the Edwards family to do the original design, um, and ultimately, uh, we felt like for uh, a few different reasons, um, we wanted Embark involved. Um, 
firstly, they're a deeply experienced uh, architectural firm um, with a lot of great product, um, both in development, already sold, and coming online in the city. So we had a ton of respect for their work and a ton of respect for the other developers, frankly, that they're working for. Um, uh, secondarily, I think we felt that supplementing the team here was the right thing to do uh, to accelerate the project into construction. There's a fair amount of, of work that still has to go into the project after you get approved plans um, to get to something that you can actually build and sell. Um, and you know, we felt like Embark, given their size and, and strength and capacity, um, you know, could really do that uh, quickly and, and really efficiently for us. And if I may add, I think for us it was um, a nice project to come on not only to meet you and your team, but we've had a great working relationship with Pisani and his office. Um, we, and again, as I mentioned, present a lot to the zoning board that he was the architect on. So in front of him, we'll, um, you know, periodically every month bring projects to, to his board and the commission for approval. So I think the fact that he made a, a great connection between all of us um, meant a lot to us. Okay. So what, not changes or additions, have you guys made to the plans now that you've been working on it? So I think we're um, early in the process right now. So we're, we're kind of taking the drawings that went through the permitting and um, just based on our experience in kind of the South Boston market and this kind of condo product, we're working through to uh, flush through all of the units, uh, different sizes, what we see buyers at this price point wanting uh, in a condo. So that's, I, I think, where our um, kind of expertise comes in. <clears throat> we're working on another couple of projects right in the neighborhood where we're helping push, um, sorry, push price points. And so... From that, I think what uh, Pat and his team saw is we have that kind of ability to really take a deep dive into the market and understand to help elevate um, this product because, uh, I mean, everybody and you guys are so well-versed with the Boston market. There's so much getting built and developed that our goal as architects is always to help our clients um, set their product apart. So where we can come in and really fine-tune layouts, understand how our user is going to move through the building. Um, we're going to, you know, take that kind of skill set and knowledge and apply it to this project. And I think um, one of the things uh, D'Artagnan said was uh, was the word product, which is kind of how we as developers think, you know, about what we're delivering. Uh, ultimately, that that's a big piece of us taking it from an approved set of plans to what's going to sell in the market. And there's a whole strategy around that um, that starts with, you know, our work even before closing. Uh, who is the buyer universe? Um, that's going to be there, or, or renter universe, uh, you know, as it might be, um, and targeting that specific individual. What are the other options they have in the market, and what are they seeing in terms of finishes, amenities, um, and all the things that go into creating? Um, we use the term product because they're buyers, you know, into a community. Um, you know, they need a sense of place and where they're going to live. They want a certain style. They might need a certain amenity. You name it. Um, and so we spend just a ton of time on our side trying to define that um, both before purchasing the property as well as uh, through the construction timeline, um, you know, into marketing and selling it. So you had talked, Pat, earlier when we were speaking about the unit sizes and how you're looking at smaller unit sizes. Um, why do you think that's so important for this project? Sure. We uh, again, we start from uh, what do we think the market needs and who the buyers are. And um, uh, you know, the good news is over over the next uh, ten years, this corridor in South Boston is going to be an incredibly exciting place uh, to 
to develop product and 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 to live and work it's um you know i think probably listeners will be shocked to see the number of product uh, uh projects that are in development uh going on uh starting all the way at fort point carrying along a street all the way down dorchester ave uh towards andrew station um and and we're at a really exciting uh, both um place as well as point in time um, to deliver a certain product uh, to the market. So what we saw was um, in that area, there's, there are plenty of condo options for sale product. Um, much of the product that's starting to come online um, along uh, Broadway and even carrying uh, you know, a little bit down towards where our project is tend to be some larger, pro- uh, larger unit sizes. Um, so often things are 1,000 square foot plus, 1,200 square foot, you name it. Um, and at market prices today, that puts you into a, a pretty big number uh, for a buyer. Um, what we wanted to deliver was a product that uh, for the uh, kind of younger, um, still reasonably affluent uh, buyer, uh, probably with uh, a job in one of the industries that might be taking over space um, nearby our, uh, our project soon enough, um, uh, that they could afford um, as, as a buyer and, and not just a renter. Um, and so that pointed us to something that was a little bit smaller, um, 700 square foot uh, average size of unit in, in, in the Freeport. Um, again, at market prices uh, today, um, and, and I, I, I would be remiss without saying they're all for sale today if anybody wants to uh, <laughs> uh, reach out. But, um, uh, you know, even uh, let alone a year or two years from now, um, you know, when we start more serious marketing of the, of the property, um, you know your sub a million dollar price point, um, which is which is maybe mentally a hurdle, certainly financially a hurdle for many people, um, and we just feel like it's the right you know style of living for the the type of individual we're going after. So, it could be somebody in tech, life sciences, you name it, um, wants to be wants to live in the city, um, you know, not just temporarily for but probably for a little bit of longer haul. Um, wants commutability. Um, so access to T stations, which we're, we're very close to two of them, um, maybe it will turn into walkability as we look at some of the projects coming online uh, that are going to deliver office space, um, whether it's um, some of the purchases of the Gillette properties uh, or some of the life sciences lab space that's been proposed, um, you know, right nearby in the area. Um, we think you're hitting that kind of younger buyer still affluent but um you know needs to hit a certain price point um you know to be able to afford it and 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 again we've also seen that in terms of market sales where smaller units have been moving faster that's just data um in the market so we look at a lot of that data and and think long and hard about it um so we actually uh, proactively made the change uh for the project was approved as apartment for rent um we changed that to uh, condos just a couple months ago so that was another one of the steps we took um, and I, I'd say uh, we've spent a lot of time talking about the buyers and and the product and all of that but um, it's not lost on us uh, what a development means to the community either and and I think the community there has been um, very pro-development in general uh, but much more supportive of ownership of, of product there uh, they, they they love having people that are going to be there invested as part of the community for potentially a longer time frame uh, and so as we did our work and talked to the community there um, we found them even more receptive to a for sale product so what you're speaking about the younger buyers i actually saw a statistic um, on the boston south boston population that 
um, between 2000 and 2015, the amount of 25 to 34-year-olds rose from 24% to 37%. So I think that really speaks to what you're talking about. That's right. And people are living in the city uh, a little bit longer on average. Again, I think the you know, our general feeling and, and we're, uh, you know, most of us at, at NAVM are uh, probably on the upper end of that demographic and um, but are seeing that people are living uh, a little bit long in the city. They want the commutability into work. Um, they're willing to put up with a little bit less space, but if it's designed well um, and they have the amenities, whether it's literally in the building or very close by, um, to stay longer, they, they want to because gone are the days of, of wanting a, a lengthy drive, um, to, you know, in, into a suburban destination. So, D'Artagnan, what that brings us to the amenities and the finishes of the building. What sure. is this buyer pool looking for and that you're adding to the project? Yeah, so I think uh, playing off what Pat said and kind of getting honing in on the unit size, I think where we have to get creative as architects is can we take a smaller footprint and really design it to maximize beyond kind of um, typical spaces, say a studio may have, can we create a, a more specialized design? So, for example, in a studio, you're not sleeping in the main space looking at your kitchen, right? So the way we can lay the unit out, uh, maybe more creatively have kind of a sleeping nook, even if it's small, eight by eight, but uh, kind of removed from the public space, shall we call it, of the unit um, from kind of a fundamental space planning. That's something we'll look at in, in a lot of our say one bedroom units where we find a couple moving into it um, instead of just having say a living and a bedroom beyond kind of the kitchen and the core we'll also create what we call kind of a touchdown pad so it's an in-between space that um, you could set up four or five feet have an, a home kind of laptop or workstation so if you're a couple you know your wife wants to sleep in the bedroom you don't necessarily want to set up on a, a couch in the living room you'll actually have a nice dedicated spot to go catch up on some work. You may have a printer stored in there and it kind of helps you get a sense of a larger place in a, in a smaller setting. Um, so f that's really f kind of from a layout perspective in terms of the actual aesthetic palette. Um, it's still early on. I think what we're seeing a lot of buyers respond to is kind of a, a cleaner, more modern palette. Um, we're seeing a big shift in kind of the, the darker floors to maybe a lighter mid-tone, wide plank, uh, very clean refined um, millwork details so uh, instead of more traditional kind of crown molding we have kind of an extruded um, reveal and kind of a flat stock detail you still get a nice refinement in shadow lines and stuff but it isn't kind of a very traditional take of a, a typical crown molding so we'll, we'll look at stuff like that and how we can play up um, using a set of um, components to really create something that's a lighter area and more welcoming again kind of <coughs> excuse me balancing off the size of the units trying to keep it a uh, lighter area uh, more more inviting and the nice thing about this building is it does have uh, quite a substantial amount of uh, window to wall ratio so I think inherently uh, because it's got four side of exposure and, and it's not a, a kind of a typical uh, residential building bar block it has uh, you know a nice shape to it kind of more of a horseshoe shape we're going to play off a lot of the um, natural light that, that should hit this building and, and on the amenity side too um, one of the things that we should mention is just we're seeing these types of buyers um, more and more comfortable with um, kind of living and operating in a community um, and a community set up spaces in the building and so we're um, you know, we're sitting in the middle of a co-working space here right now uh, recording this, 
that same phenomenon is going on uh, in 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 real estate, uh, residential real estate. Um, there are certainly things that are as extreme as co-living, um, which is not what we're talking about. Uh, but you do find that people are utilizing uh, the other spaces in the building, um, whether that's the lobby area, um, where here we have a large lobby area and some outdoor space there. Uh, we have a large roof um, deck, uh, which will be uh, open open to residents, and internal spaces, whether they be lounges, gyms, uh, you name it, people are extending their what might be you know thought of as a smaller unit into accessibility into lots of square footage throughout the rest of the building so on the corner of um dorchester and b street we actually have a very uh, nicely positioned uh, anchor uh, we'll say almost anchor amenity for the building even though it's for the community in general it's going to be um, a pretty large restaurant that will play off of the kind of courtyard that's set up in the building but also tied directly into the neighborhood so what we're seeing in some of these buildings, just given the urban context, is by even having an anchor restaurant in the building, that inherently becomes a nice amenity for residents as well. Because a lot of them will be designed, or we've even designed with like a little cafe. So in the morning on the way to work, you can pop down, buy a coffee, head out. Um, you know, those help enrich kind of the experience of, of condo owners. Definitely. So let's talk about the commercial space a little bit more. You have the restaurant space, and I believe there's two other spaces. That's that's right. Yeah, I, I think um, we're going into this with uh, actually the good fortune of having two of the three uh, retail spaces already spoken for um, going into it. Um, uh, one of the spaces um, will be there's an existing uh, martial arts uh, studio that is on site today. Uh, it's a great part of the community. Uh, they have a great membership base um, and great ownership. Uh, they're going to be returning to the building in a new and refreshed space. And so we think of that as kind of an exciting bridge where uh, we hope that customer base stays uh, with them and comes back and, and, and becomes a part of the community of the building. And then we hope to add uh, resident participation um, to that space as well. So it's a nice kind of fitness space outside the internal amenities in the building uh, that they could utilize. Uh, we also have a um, national uh, rental car uh, company um, that is signed on for a lease in one of the other retail spaces. Also incredibly exciting for us and the residents um, because uh, that offers sort of short-term car rental options, um, uh, you know, by the day, by the hour even, um, to the residents, and cars will be on demand. They'll be parked there. So, um, you know, residents can use that in lieu of owning a car themselves. And, and we actually anticipate probably many residents will choose not to have a car. And lastly, we have the restaurant space, um, which uh, we haven't defined a tenant there yet, but uh, we'd like to use that again as a quasi-amenity to the building um, where, uh, you know, they might even offer service into the units, um, but but certainly create a space that residents will access um, for, um, you know, maybe weekly meals, morning coffee, uh, you name it, and uh, then also, uh, you know, add to the community by drawing folks in. So you touched on the rental car place yes and obviously we have to talk about parking and south sure yeah um, so how many spaces are included in the project sure uh, we're finalizing our exact parking layout now um, and so we are approved with up to 120 uh, parking spaces um, it's been an interesting dialogue with the city um, since we closed where uh, they're actually looking to reduce parking in, in many areas if 
if you can believe that. Um, uh, so for us, the balance is um, is that. What what, a, what does the city desire? Um, what do our buyers and residents really need in terms of you know parking utilization there and the retail space as well? Um, and then what is you know what does that all translate to in terms of cost and what we can you know offer in terms of a product at a certain price point? Um, but there'll be a pretty meaningful. Uh, I don't know if it'll be 120 spaces, but it's going to be a pretty large uh, parking facility there. Um, that hopefully for all the residents that want a car uh, will have a space for them um, and then maybe even even uh, some additional parking um, but again I, I think our target uh, demographic you know I wouldn't be surprised if there's a very large proportion of buyers who don't want to have a car at all um, in that location given the walkability and, and commutability with the, the T. So have you guys run into any challenges so far with design or you know with upcoming construction beginning well i'd say for us no no challenges other than the usual i mean i think the the one thing you know we always think about is just you know it's hard to know how the project evolves in the next you know couple of years as we build it um you know the neighborhood will evolve construction costs will evolve you know tenant desires will evolve and and you know our job at the center of all of it is just to constantly stay on top of it which we do so we're constantly talking to the other developers in the neighborhood um we know all our neighbors very well um we're pretty excited and happy about who all our neighbors will be in that area uh on the developer side and builder side um and so we're staying afoot with what they're doing making sure the product we deliver is commensurate with what they're delivering um, we're looking at other projects citywide. Again, we're involved in a number of other uh, projects, um, as well as our, our advisors on, on the project, and, and just making sure we're constantly making updates uh, to that. And, and uh, you know, similar on sort of the cost and, and building side. Nothing unanticipated so far, but I can guarantee you something will <laughs> pop up in the next right. 18 months that will be unforeseen, and, and we just do, do our best to kind of you know stay on top of those things and plan around them as best we can. And I think from a constructability uh, point of view, having, again, done Nextdoor, which I mentioned earlier, there was a lot of understanding that went into kind of the technical execution of that being adjacent right to the Hall Road. So, you know, we're able to kind of draw on that's the set of experiences there, the engineers that we worked with to pull them in very early on to the team so that we can kind of design for that circumstance. So let's talk about the timeline for construction. I believe you mentioned earlier you're starting demo in the next couple of weeks. Sure. Yes. Um, as I mentioned, we've had a great relationship with the current tenant there, and, and we've been um, uh, kind of accommodating the move of his business uh, out of the facility, and, and he'll be out uh, very shortly here. Um, and we are lined up to start um, meaningful work, uh, site work, and uh construct uh, demolition this summer uh, with construction to immediately follow again it's taken a lot of, of planning and, and thought over the last six months since we closed to get to this point um, but we're ready to be off to the races and we anticipate a roughly 18 month um, uh, timeline to do the full construction from from today uh, to deliver units um, in early 2021. I also wanted to ask about the name change and how you came up with the new name the Freeport. Sure. Uh, the Freeport uh, South Boston is 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 the new name. Um, uh, you know, I think I think when we looked at it again, the, the name uh, might seem simple, but it you know it does help define the product. You know, even initially, um, uh, this is an interesting uh, pro- project where um, the whole uh, 
concept evolved from the existing business that's there. Um, so the owner's business is a, is a ship uh, supply and um, a boat supply company, um, which is, uh, in fact, a chandlery, which is the original name of the building. Uh, the building is designed to look sort of like a boat um, in its shape and form. Um, and so there's very much um, uh, a hint of that nautical theme to it. Um, and uh, first of all, we love all of that because uh, we love honoring that history of what's been there for decades um, in, in terms of um, the existing uh, owner's business, uh, the, the prior owner's business, um, and just history of the neighborhood. Um, we did want to freshen it up and, you know, partly, uh, you know, from our own standpoint of defining it as our project and product, that that was part of the name change, but also providing something that kept that spirit, but um, had something a little bit more modern sounding to it. And um, similar to how I describe, you know, we're not smart enough to make these name changes ourselves. You know, we just pick the right people. It was actually our lead investor on the project who um, came up with the name. Um, and uh, he, he is actually a great uh, marketer and, and uh, has sold many units himself in the past. And when we were all sitting around the table and heard it, we thought, that's that's probably the one and uh and we and we tested it as well with um kind of the right uh demographic and it, it felt like something that worked well wasn't trademarked and um so we're gonna uh create kind of the whole product concept um focused around that that name now so pat this is a bigger project for your firm um how did you decide that this was something that you wanted to to move forward with sure uh we you know, everything we do, uh, we start uh, with the investor lens and mindset. Um, we do that because we put our own money into every project. Um, uh, you know, in a project like this, we can only put so much in, um, but we have other investors that, um, you know, fundamentally we're um, stewards of their of their money. And uh, we understand what their objectives are, um, both in terms of uh, what types of buildings they want to create and product they want to create, as well as financial metrics. And so for us, um, this was um, sort of a great nexus of a neighborhood we'd done a tremendous amount of work on to understand what product would sell, um, to understand how much development is, is going to continue to go on and create an exciting environment um, for us to build this building in. Um, we have, uh, you know, advisors on in the architectural side, on the construction side that provided inputs into, you know, costing and, you know, and, and we're constantly fine-tuning that. And... Uh, we sort of put that all together in, in our underwriting process, and it fit at least um, actually a couple of our investors' objectives uh, very, very well. And so um, that's really our focus is making sure our investors are happy. Um, that all stems from creating great product that either sells or rents well, um, you know, in the very specific micro location and market that it's in. Um, and you know, managing the heck out of the building process and, and making sure we fine-tune costs and uh, appropriately manage costs wherever we can to both deliver great product, but then, um, you know, hit the kind of financial returns we need. So this was a, a great location for us, and, um, you know, it's in markets we live and breathe, and so we, we sort of view it as um, something we can have our hands on every day and manage towards a great outcome. All right. So as we wrap up here, I just wanted to ask you guys um, beyond this project, where do you kind of see your business growing in the in the next couple of years? D'Artagnan? Yeah, no, thanks. Um, it's been great being here. I think 
we're seeing a nice shift kind of into the larger multifamily design and um, implementation from kind of the ground up stance uh, for our firm. So um, we are helping a lot of developers in the market evaluate parcels of land that uh, do come up. Again, I think Pat and others have experienced kind of the land cost behind it. One thing our firm I think does pretty well is we can take a parcel of land just based on our knowledge going through the zoning process, be able to very quickly help you evaluate maybe potentially how large a building you can get so our developer clients can kind of back into their performance. Um, we do kind of have that developer's mindset when we design a project, you know, beyond kind of the aesthetic goals. And so I think for us, we're seeing that play out nicely where we are um, getting some, you know, nice calls to do some larger projects, which has been, a, you know, a great evolution for us. Exciting. And Pat? We, you know, we'd hope uh, this project is is the first of many of its size, and 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 uh, you know maybe a little larger, um, plus or minus for 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 Navum. Um, we intend uh, to make uh, Boston our core market for the long term. Um, we all live here. Um, you know, so I live within maybe a quarter mile of uh, 270 Ave. So uh, I'm a resident and, and, and neighbor as well. And so I want something that's going to be additive for the life of the building to stand there um, and something that will reference, uh, you know, well for Navam in the market, you know, for people who are happy with the product, for investors to get a great return. And, and we hope to expand that business along a number of other projects. We're actively looking at um, a handful of other things in South Boston right now. Um, but we also have projects in, in other uh, great markets uh, in all of Boston. So we've got East Boston is another key market for us. Um, we've got projects in Cambridge and the South End. Uh, we have things extending as far out as Melrose, where we have a project. Um, and, and really, we do the same thing everywhere um, that we, we would do for this one, which is start with that great investor mindset, um, make really smart decisions about the purchase, and then, you know, manage the project well throughout the life cycle. And uh, our feeling is, you know, based on seeing other developers do it, if you do that well, um, you know, it creates a long runway uh, of what hopefully will be uh, delivering more of these more of these buildings, um, you know, to the Boston area and beyond. Excellent. Well, I think we all can't wait to see the Freeport. Um, and thank you guys so much for joining us here on The Big Dig. Thanks for having us. Yes. And now here is Kevin Caulfield with the Caulfield Market Update. In the first quarter of 2019, the median sales price was 746000 which is down 6.6% year over year from 2018. However, the median price per square foot was up year over year 4.7% to $686 a square foot. In terms of availability, inventories are level. Uh, inventory levels were up in Q1 2019, 11.5%, uh, and average days on market have increased, but are still only at an average of 39 days. People want to be able to see, touch, and feel the finish in these units before they go out and buy them. And I think it's really tough to sell pre-construction units right now unless you've got a great sales center or you've got an amazing, uh, amazing product at a really hot price point. You know, you're, if you've got two beds or two-plus beds for a million dollars right now, those are going to sit until people can see them. And we're seeing, in a lot of cases, some people aren't even putting them on the market because 
it's not it's not worth it until there's really something there to see like a five to seven hundred thousand dollar new construction unit those things will fly because they're really hard to find the other the other reason they're hard to find is because you know most people are building bigger units now there's a lot of demand i mean i think there's a lot of demand for one bedroom just like i said because that that inventory is it's there's not a lot of people that have been building it um you know it seems like the bigger units have been the the sweet spot but i but i would say you know we're saturated with two bed two baths with parking for over a million dollars in south boston right now there's just a lot of a lot of things for people to look through i think the that price point now you know for the units that seem to be moving quickly or more uh, in that 850 to 900 925 like that product sells when you when you push up towards a million there's just a lot more um, there's a lot more inventory for people to sift through so things are taking a little bit long to get absorbed at the, those numbers I think the amenities definitely come into play um, with some of these buildings I mean look people want um, you know club rooms some outdoor space you know maybe some common grills you know potentially a gym or bike bike storage all, all of those things play in um, to people's decision making process and I think that's it's all you know you're selling a lifestyle there and so I think the, the more amenities you can offer that caters to someone's lifestyle uh, the easier the units become to sell thank you for listening to The Big Dig Follow us on iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud for all the latest episodes, and be sure to check out buildup.com for the latest real estate development and CRE news. Also visit naopma.org, that's N-A-I-O-P-M-A.org, to learn about joining the leading commercial real estate association in the Boston area.